This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. Um, Today I'm going to look at the mobilisation of the German and the Austro-Hungarian armies in uh, 1914, uh, following the July crisis uh, and the the first moves towards um, actual all-out European war. Um, One of the reasons why I want to talk about this is because one of the the kind of the most famous or kind of well uh, considered arguments for uh, the causes of the second world war um going all the way back to the kind of the 1960s and 70s and one of the various waves of historiography on this subject was that of AJP Taylor who I mean AJP Taylor is quite a kind of a controversialist and would say things that sounded um, kind of interesting and eye-catching but one of his arguments was that it was a war by timetable um, and what he literally meant was train timetables that quite literally 
Um, there were mobilisation plans on all sides, and when those began, then the process of going of all-out war across Europe was basically inevitable. Now, this has been challenging and contested, but today we're looking at Ring of Steel. Um, we've talked about this excellent book before by Alexander Watson, and he's talking about the mobilisation of the of the German army. Now, previously, when uh, we delved into this book. Um, one of the things that Alexander Watson's pointed out is that for many Germans, the news of war and uh, Austro-Hungarians, the news of war was greeted with fear, worry, sadness, depression, uh, every uh, and all applicable negative emotions. Um, much of the uh, the kind of the stories about. You know, people cheering at the start of the war. Well, those are kind of apocryphal tales for the most part. It did happen in certain instances at certain times. Um, groups of kind of radical nationalist students. But to say that in Germany, in Austria, Hungary, large sections of the population were throwing their hats in the air is, is really not sustainable. There's not a lot of evidence for that at all. Anyway... Alexander Watson writes Military mobilisation changed the face of Central European societies with bewildering speed. Millions of men were immediately drafted. The Habsburg army expanded from a peacetime strength of 450,000 to 1,687,000 troops in three and a half weeks. If you compare that to the 77,000 troops that the British Expeditionary Force had uh, at the start of the war, um, it shows you the kind of the scale of things we're talking about. Its German ally achieved it in just 12 days, in uh, an even uh, an even more dramatic increase from 808,280 to 3.5 million, uh, 3,502,700 soldiers. That's a, a staggering increase in 12 days. Already by the middle of August 1914, around a quarter of Austro-Hungarian men aged 19 to 42, and one in every three German men. Age 17 to 45 uh, were with uh, um, were with the colours. Reservists often had only a few days in Germany, sometimes no more than 24 hours, to set their affairs in order and say goodbyes before leaving for barracks. Younger men hurried to see their parents, bid farewell to work colleagues, perhaps once in uniform. Had a snapshot taken with a sweetheart as a keepsake for the front. Happily married, uh, a happily married couple spent a final precious evening together. There were practicalities to organise. Farmers issued last-minute instructions to their wives. Men rushed to purchase essentials for active service. Officers in particular had much to do to put their kit in order. Departure was never easy. As Major Arthur Hausner, who had served since the eight, uh, since 1897 in the Habsburg army, confessed in his diary on the 27th of July 1914, even for professional soldiers who had spent their lives training for this moment, the possibility that one will never again see those he most loves constrains the feelings of enthusiasm. So the... The mobilisation of Habsburg and uh, German armies is a kind of a, 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 an enormous um, mass kind of spontaneous expl explosion, really, of human activity. 
um, it shows the the kind of the rigor and organization and also the militarization that had always been there in um, Austro-Hungarian and especially German society uh, and the uh, relationships uh, the very strong and powerful relationships between um, ordinary citizens everyday life and the the functioning of the military and how ingrained military obligation was in both societies but it, it also shows as um, Arthur Hausner tells us there uh, this balance between um, reluctance and enthusiasm um, and there was for many young men and again the British experience shows this as well enthusiasm that the uh, the, 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 the tensions of the everyday and the um, often the, the kind of the, the boredoms and frustrations of everyday life were to be thrown off by uh, the uh, the advent of war, and that for for many this would be uh, the, the the great adventure, the, not the great national event, not just the great national adventure, but the great personal adventure too. The mood in Austria-Hungary, writes uh, Watson. Um, and Germany at the war's outbreak was defined by two intertwined emotions. Fear was the first, and it was endemic. The second, which developed to a great extent in reaction, was a feeling of communal solidarity. Fear is the more straightforward to explain for its causes to the ways in which it was expressed was similar in both countries. Above all, Hausner hinted, people were afraid of the loss of their own or close relatives' lives. Although only the old could remember the last European wars fought by these states, the Franco-Prussian War of 1870-71 and, um, and the Habsburg anti-insurgency campaign in Bosnia-Herzegovina in 1878-82, there was little naivety uh, in either society about the coming conflagration. So people had quite a, a realistic sense of what this war would in, entail. For the most part, people um, in the uh, uh, in during July 1914 were mainly considering what a war with Russia would look like the idea of um, a war with France well that would probably happen too the idea of a war with Great Britain that was perhaps less considered and the but the um, in the eastern part of Germany uh, in um, uh, East Prussia the fear of Russia led to many civilians getting onto crowded trains and uh, making their way westward as quickly as possible. Um, Russia, in the eyes of Germany, was the great threat to civilization, and this is what, in terms of social solidarity, brought in the uh, Social Democratic Party to give their unconditional support for the war. This principle of social solidarity uh, the German term for it is Bergfried or peace within the fortress um, and that this, this unity was what the Kaiser depended upon um, and it lasts till about 1916 and then fundamentally begins to break down with all sorts of uh, extreme consequences for Germany by about 1918 men and their families prepared for the worst Church attendance surged, especially in Catholic regions. At Yublonkov, um, Father Siskala uh, reported a remarkable crowd in his church on the 1st of August. 
the day after the general mobilisation was ordered in Austria-Hungary. Whole packs of men departing for the army come to confession, and in the evening till late into the night, prayers and singing reach the town from roadside crosses and chapels. War teaches people to pray. The socialist workers who populated Germany's major cities was less, were less likely to turn for comfort to religion, but they too held few illusions about modern, modern battles' lethality. All had the feeling of heading straight for the slaughterhouse, wrote one social democrat after he observed reservists departing in Bremen. Whether in town or country, monarchy or Reich, contemporaries everywhere agreed that this was a time of tears. Little could be heard but shouting, sighs and weeping when men left Sibiu in Transylvania, as middle-aged reservists gathered with, um, with their families south of Krakow. There was a good deal of crying and whimpering. Deep sadness and fear was also awful. Was also on display um, at German railway stations. Seeing the men depart is quite awful, wrote one girl, hoping, um, helping out at a refreshment stand on Cassel station during mobilisation. Some have tears in their eyes when they look at their women and children staying behind. And to see all the tearful faces of those staying behind, too, is terribly sad. So, the um, part of the... Um, uh, kind of the the part of the the, sort of the, the driving force behind the, uh, the emotions here is the fact of of conscription or uh, the draft in these countries in uh, Austria Hungary and Germany, which of course um, Britain didn't employ at least not until 1916. Um, the uh, the the British Expeditionary Force and later Lord Kitchener's army swells with uh, volunteers in 1914 um, and the um, the war um, in Britain uh, results in uh, volunteering recruitment stations being overwhelmed with uh, with numbers still in 1916 when conscription is introduced mainly as a result of a kind of a, a daily mail campaign um, uh, to target what the Daily Mail sees as kind of idlers and those not doing their, their bids, uh, the uh, the levels of recruitment were so high still, the levels of voluntary recruitment were still so high in 1916 that there were literally, there was literally not enough uniforms and equipment to, um, to, to, to give to the numbers of um, those still volunteering. So the 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 impact of being compelled to fight to uh, of having no choice in the matter uh, surely must have made those farewells all all the more difficult. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. While apprehension about the separation and fears for the safety of sons and husbands account for much of the anxiety, there are also other good reasons to be tearful in August 1914. The start of the war precipitated an economic crisis threatening many families' material existence. In the countryside, farmers' wives wondered in despair how they would bring in the harvest when their husbands, workers and horses had been taken by the army. In the cities, by contrast, there was sudden mass unemployment. Around 5% of the workforce in Austria, and a mere 2.7% of that in Germany, had been without a job in July 1914. But in the following month, the proportions jumped respectively to 18.3% and 22.7%. Small businesses closed down as owners were called up, leaving workers on the streets. Larger firms expecting war to suppress demand downsized, put employees on short, um, employees on short time or abruptly cut wages by, uh, on average, 10% for men and up to 25% for women. So this is an economic body blow. Uh, this, this is um, the, kind of, uh, the kind of economic disruption that you would um, equate with something like the Great Depression. A huge, huge economic disruption. Domestic trade was disrupted by military takeover of the railways. Export industry laid low as customers became enemies and contracts were cancelled. Siemens, for example, lost foreign orders for 5.8 million light bulbs. The dismissals and wage reductions caused severe hardship for working class families. So too did conscription itself. Even when once so-called family aid, a benefit given to German soldiers' families was added, the drafting of a husband decreased income to a third of its pre-war level for the wife and child of an unskilled labourer, and to less than a quarter for those of a skilled labourer. So this is an extraordinary statistic. What this means is that for um, poor German families, the war was an economic catastrophe. In many ways, poor German families were subsidising the war. They were taking the economic hit um, by losing two-thirds or up to three-quarters of their entire family income. Wars pushed families into poverty in order, for, in order that, that, that they could be fought in the first place. The difficulty um, that many families had in paying their landlords explains why a rumour that rents could not legally be demanded for the war's duration, although false, spread like wildfire. 
In Berlin, police were already reporting in late August material misery and growing desperation among the proletarians. The same was true elsewhere. A secret report, a secret report on Austria, um, uh, on Austrian Galicia, it, um, at, at the start of September, described the pauperisation of our society, and warned that official aid was urgently needed. Hungry, it warned menacingly, can be a bad advisor. So, uh, again, the, this, this tells us some very interesting things. That the fact that the government reports saying that uh, official aid would be needed um, means that a, a kind of new, new ways of, of conceiving about mobilisation, uh, about ensuring that the entirety of society had to, in some ways, be, be aided, catered for, helped, assisted, uh, in order to, to win the war, um, were being considered. The extent to which these things actually happen, of course, is, 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 is a very moot point. Beyond these uh, individual worries, there was a, pers- uh, a pervasive sense of threat, a fear, frequently refracted inwards, that the community was under attack. In Austria-Hungary, that feeling had, as we have seen, developed in many of the crown lands immediately after Franz Ferdinand's assassination. It was heightened further by the war's outbreak. The newly established War Supervision Office complained already on the 8th of August about the avalanche-like spread of all manner of totally uncontrollable rumours unsettling the Austrian population. Similar panic grabbed Germany once hostilities began. There, fears were inflamed by a government warning on the 2nd of August that Russian officers and agents are underway across the land. The warning implicitly appealed for vigilantism. The the safety of the German Reich requires that the entire people cooperate without fail to neutralise such dangerous persons. Stories circulated of enemy attempts to poison the water supply and of attacks on railways and telegraph lines. There were uh, fears of air raids. Phantom flyers were reported over Berlin. The country was seized by a spy hysteria. The Reichstag deputy um, Hans-Peter Hansen described how the capital's Potsdamer Platz on the, thir- uh, on the 3rd of August saw an enraged mob beat a man unmercifully with clubs and umbrellas. This, he was told, was the fourth spy they had caught in the last half hour. So the this the the kind of the the spy hysteria uh, which Britain had uh, un- undergone in the the kind of the five years before the war uh, obsessed with um, the, the the possible threat of um, German uh, spies stealing British naval secrets and. The, uh, the kind of the, the careers of writers uh, like John Buchan, for example, were, were were born of this of this moment, and Erskine Childers, who wrote uh, the Riddle of the Sands. Um, the, the there was this this kind of wild hysteria, um, uh, and you see it again in in 1914 and to a less degree in 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 Britain as well. But all these these things are generally kind of. Uh, conveniently propagated by the state, and it's always a very useful thing to uh, drive people mad with fear and anxiety. Um, if there, if if there were spies, and no doubt there were, in um, Germany uh, and Austria, uh, they weren't doing things like poisoning the water supply, um, and the the kind of the 
the way in which uh, mob violence works in, in a way is is kind of how people externalize their their anxieties and and fears normally in kind of quite quite brutal fashions the anxiety was greatest in places close to the frontiers uh, and with the ethnically mixed po- uh, and with ethnically mixed populations the fortress city of Pezen, uh, 55 kilometers inside germany's eastern borders offers a great example there the outbreak of the war was exceptionally fraught as the city was situated within a ring of forts guarding one of the key approaches into the Reich. The Polish and German inhabitants were warned already on the 1st of August that if the Russian army approached, any people without sufficient provisions to withstand the siege would be evacuated. All households were ordered to register with the police and state their preferred destination. Uh, nevertheless, uh, nervous about the external threat, the German minority quickly came to regard their Polish neighbours, with whom peacetime relations had not been warm, with similar trepidation. Terrorism was feared. Already on the 3rd of August, there was a bomb scare, and the military was called after somebody left a travel hamper in a bank. Some even imagined that local Poles were planning insurrection. One zealous non-commissioned officer sent the, pol- the police a letter... Uh, a, a bizarre even for those anxious times, cataloguing a list of suspicious incidents which, he argued, indicated uh, preparations for a Polish uprising uh, were well underway. Women were, he claimed, pushing prams containing child-sized dolls through the city, always along the same route, waiting at a tailor's workshop. He had seen six civilians come in, all of whom had ordered tunics to the rank of, of um, Feldwebel-Lieutenant, a junior officer rank and then argued with the tailor over the price. Girls, the soldier worried, were entering the barracks and leaving with packages. He was sure they must contain rifle cartridges. Perhaps what most concerned him was the last point in the letter. I am often asked by Polish girls whether I am Polish. I request, um, I request urgently that measures be taken. So of course there are always um, kind of un- unhinged people, um, uh, particularly in any given society, who uh, are very agitated at these times. But it shows us a, a general kind of pervading sense of of fear, of crisis, or, or, or panic. Um, even though much of it is the kind of the the, the stuff of, of fantasy, and the realities of war for many of these people, while brutal and bloody, would be far more mundane and, and every day. The great thing about this book, and I do recommend if you read, if you want to read about the First World War, get this book. It really, really is good. Is it shows you an um, an a narrative that to kind of Anglo-American audiences is often very unfamiliar. The everyday experience of German people, the everyday experience of German soldiers, uh, and the the normalisation of of that, that uh, war for them was every bit the crisis and the catastrophe it was for uh, anybody else. Um, We're going to continue with this um, in the next couple of months, hopefully. Continue looking at um, what Alexander Watson is um, talking about mobilisation here, uh, but one thing we can definitely view from this is that mobilisation for many Germans uh, was experienced as a hammer blow to their society um, of uh, economic crisis, uh, anxiety, and loss. 
Anyway, thanks very much, and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. You can check us out at www.explaininghistory.org. There's some exciting plans coming. I'm currently writing a study course on the Russian Revolution, and more details on that soon. Do check, do support us on the Patreon if you can. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye-bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 